Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. What a great, great demonstration of God's love. We're going to take communion together in just a moment. Uh, Your implements for the Lord's Supper for communion is below your seat if you want to reach under there and get them. But before I do, I want to minister to you the Word of God about the resurrection of Jesus. You know, we've studied over the last couple weeks, we've studied Jesus as the Passover lamb. We've studied the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. We've studied that he walked the Via Dolorosa and hung on the cross. But can I say to you that none of that matters unless you understand he got up. Because that's the one thing that makes Christianity different. There's been a lot of good people. There's been a lot of people that have loved people. There's a lot of people that have died for what they believe in. But the difference with Jesus is he got up. I want to read with you from the Word of God in the book of Luke, chapter 24. And I use this teaching in other situations as a teaching of motivation. But I want to use it today to tell the story of understanding the resurrection of Jesus. Look at verse 13 with me. God's Word says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, this scripture, we only know, we don't know anything about these two men. We do know that the Bible says that they were followers of Jesus. They were probably one of the 70, not the 12, but the 70. They've just left Jerusalem And they're on the road to Emmaus, which is about seven miles away. They're discouraged because their hopes and their dreams have been shattered. They thought Jesus was going to be the Messiah, that he was going to save them from the Roman Empire. They've watched their hopes die buried and placed in a tomb and now discouraged they're walking home and they walk together and they talk together of all the things which had happened and it was that while they conversed and reasoned that jesus himself drew near and went with them so here we have these two men and they're They've had a bad day. They've watched their hopes and dreams die on the cross. They've watched them placed in a tomb. They watched the stone roll over that tomb and shut their dream up, what they thought, forever. 
But the Bible says that as they're walking, Jesus catches up to them. Now, I love that teaching because so many times when we're going through something, maybe we're going through something in our marriage, maybe we're going through something from the doctor, maybe we're going through something in our home, our life, with our children. And when we feel despair, that's when Jesus catches up to us. I love it. I, I can almost picture them walking, and they're, they're kind of walking like this. I mean, it's been a bad day. How many have ever had a bad day? And they're kind of walking like this, and you go almost to Jesus going. And I love it that so many times when we think our dreams have been buried with a stone in front of them, Jesus comes speeding up to us and catches up to us in the middle of that despair. I, 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 just, I, just, I just love the picture that that paints. But their eyes were restrained, and they did not know him. So here's Jesus walking with them, but they don't recognize him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is it that you have with one another as you walk and are so sad? Now, they're talking about Jesus. I thought he was this. I thought, I thought and, and it didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. And Jesus comes walking up and says, hey, guys, what are you talking about? How come you're so sad? And they didn't recognize him. Now, we don't know if they didn't recognize him because their eyes were full of tears. Their hearts were so heavy or Jesus was just so changed from the power of resurrection. But they didn't recognize him. And he asked them, what are you talking about? It's an amazing teaching. And then one of those named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there these days? Here's Jesus asking them. They're talking about Jesus. Jesus asking them, who are you talking about? What are you talking about? They go, are you the only one in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know what just happened? (laughs) I can almost see Jesus going. Because he's about to bring them some good news. And he said to them, what things? (laughs) Tell me what just happened. Rehearse this for me. Tell me what your need is. Tell me what happened. And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now watch this next line. Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, who was mighty indeed, who is mighty in word before God and all the people. Now, I want you to notice they talked about the word of God that he taught. They talked about the miracles that he did. They talked about him being a prophet of God, but they lost hope that he was Messiah. And how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem israel indeed besides all this today it is the third day since these things happened he told us on the third day he would rise 
it didn't happen the way we thought. Yes, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of us who were with us went, certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. It was empty, but they didn't see him either. The rumors are that he was stolen or Rome removed him. Nobody saw him. And then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? Don't you know what the scripture said would happen? This didn't catch God by surprise. Don't you know what the word of God says? And beginning at Moses, I love this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, so many times we hear that the Old Testament has nothing to do with the New Testament. Here is the New Testament himself proving that he is who the Old Testament says he is, using the Old Testament. We, can I use it at this moment to say you can't understand the, Old Testament, the New Testament until you understand the Old Testament because the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament proves that Jesus is the Lord, the Savior, the King of Kings, and the Messiah. It all proves it. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone on further. Now, this is a really important part. It just seems like a light thing. Here he is walking. He's the answer. He's the answer to their problem. He's the answer to my problem. And my friend, he's the answer to your problem. But the Bible says, and it kind of reminds me of blind Bartimaeus. Everybody's sitting at the gates of Jericho, and here comes Jesus, the answer to everything everybody needed. And the Bible says, and he would have passed them by. But Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David. Nobody else did. And Jesus said, bring him to me. See, the move is ours. So here the word of God says that these men are walking in Jesus's proving to them according to the Hebrew scriptures that this had to happen, that he was the Messiah. And then they get to a point and they're going to turn up the road and go to their own house. And Jesus would have kept going. But they stopped and said, why don't you come to my house? So, so far we have in this a situation of despair. And then we have a revelation, which is the word of God, that Jesus is the Messiah. But none of that works unless these two men gave that Messiah an invitation. That's the same thing with us. None of it works unless you invite him into your home. Look at what it says. 
and they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in and stayed with them. The situation, we all have that situation. The revelation, it's in the Word of God, but none of it works until the invitation. Now it came to pass that as he sat at the table with them, that's what we're going to do this morning, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. He took matzah because it was Passover. And he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Now look at this. And then their eyes were open, and they knew him. And then he vanished from their sight. Now I think nobody knows what happened. No, no, nothing tells us what happened. Can I tell you what I think happened? It was Passover. This is where Jesus said, this is my body which was broken for you. They pulled, Jesus pulled out the matzah. He broke it. And as he broke it, he handed it to him. And when he handed it to him, his sleeve came forward and they saw the nail prints. And at that moment, they knew the stories were true. He had risen. And then the Bible says, immediately, he vanished from their sight. Now look what he goes on to say. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us, the word of God is a living thing. And he said, even though it didn't make sense to our minds, we, we knew it to be true. And there's so many people that can say, well, what about this or what about that? But when you give someone the word of God, even though they can try to reason it out, it burns within their heart because God says, my word will never come back void, never come back without effect. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened up the scriptures to us. I love this next part. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared uh, as he is, and has appeared to Simon. And they told us that these things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Shalom. Nothing missing. That's what the word peace means in Hebrew, Shalom. And the sh- word Shalom means may there be nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. The difference in that is knowing that he had risen from the dead. Before we take communion, can I point out one thing with you? You know, I was saving this teaching, and you've heard me teach this on witnessing, this same scripture, this same teaching on witnessing. The Bible says we have a great commission, and that great commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
the good news. That's what the word gospel means, that we're, everywhere we go, we're to tell people the good news. The other day, Tiz and I were standing there, and our neighbor, our neighbor happens to be a Hall of Fame uh, football player, and he and his wife came over, we're talking, and, and in the conversation, we were talking, we just had a little cow, a little calf was born, and they came over to see it, and I used that calf to talk about the power of God and the love of God and the healing and tell the story about lying and tell about this, because everywhere we go, we're to tell people the good news, because you don't know, you see somebody walking down the road, or you see somebody at work, you don't know what they're going through, but when you tell them that God loved them so much that he sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for his sin, and not only did he die on the cross, not only did he shed his blood seven times, not only did he break every curse, but he got up. That is the good news. And he can bring that resurrection power to every area of your life. I love the teaching where the Lord does a miracle for someone. And then the first, the first thing he says to him is don't tell anybody. Remember that? Tell no man what has happened to you. Okay. Hey, did you hear what has happened to me? Because in religion, there's nothing worth sharing. If all we have is religion, it's just a Sunday morning thing. But if we have the power of his resurrection, you can't keep your mouth shut. Think about these two men. They're walking seven miles. Seven miles. That's a long way. They're walking seven miles defeated. Then the Bible says they turned right around that same day and went back. Hey, Kevin, let me tell you, we saw him. He has risen. And when you know the power is resurrection, it puts a spring in your step. It puts a joy in your heart. It puts a smile on your face because we know through that resurrection, greater is he that's in us than anything we're going to face. What a mighty God we serve. Give the Lord a clap offering for the power of his resurrection. Now, I want to ask you to get ready to receive communion, the Lord's Supper, Passover. This is what it was. It was Passover. And for those of you that don't understand this, um, we're going to show it to you perhaps in a little different way than you've seen. If you've been with us or if you've followed us around the world, then we want to say hi to all of our family. We have people with us right now all through Europe. They're watching all through Europe, all through Canada, all through Australia. We have a whole church that calls themselves New Beginnings now in, down in, uh, in uh, Peru. Um, all of our friends and family around America, we love you guys. God bless you. Thank you for helping us do what you help us do. Give our family around the world a great big clap offering. Literally tens and tens of thousands of people. But like I said, religion doesn't do anything for anybody. But a relationship with Jesus Christ will change everything. So when the Lord tells us, this is my body which was broken for you, this is my blood, as often you do this, do this in remembrance of me, he also gives us another instruction. He said, this is a very spiritual, supernatural thing that you're about to do. You're about to release 
the power of the blood of Jesus into your life. You're about to release the healing of a broken body that he will make your life every bit whole. It's a very spiritual thing. It's not just a ritual. And because it's so spiritual, he says, stop and make sure your heart's right with God. He said, because when people do this, this is kind of the reason why a lot of people are sick and a lot of people have tragedies in their lives. It's just been a ritual. But I want to ask God to make it from a ritual to a revelation. And so before we do that, he said, wait, check your heart. Is your heart right with God? So I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. We're not going to bring anybody up. This is for all of us here and all of us watching around the world. And we come before the Lord and we say, God, speak to me. Is my heart, my life pleasing in your eyes? You know, I've been a pastor for over 40 years. I walked in the church, a drug addict, a drug dealer, but I walked out of that church, a child of God. Religion didn't do that, but a relationship with a resurrected Christ did. How many, how many Easter's have I seen the pictures of Jesus being beaten, the crown of thorns, carrying that cross up the Via Della Rosa, and it still moves me. And I thank God it still moves me. And I pray God don't let it ever just become a religion. Keep it fresh. Not just for my sake, but so that I will continue to do what you've called me to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I'm going to ask you, every one of us, to pray this out loud together. Say it, say it, say it out loud. Because the Bible says that when we confess him before men, he will confess us before our Father in heaven. Would you repeat this with me? Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home, my family, my finances, my future. I declare in the name, by his blood, every curse is reversed and every blessing is received. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give our resurrected Savior a great big hand clap of praise. The Bible says that Jesus gathered his disciples together as it was Passover. 
On Passover, they didn't eat normal bread. They ate what's called matzah. Now, Jewish people all over the world, and now Christians all over the world are doing the same thing. At the Passover meal, you would have unleavened bread, representing there is no leaven in our lamb, in our Savior, and in our lives. In a matzah, in a, in a, uh, a Passover meal, you would have a sleeve that has three levels in it. Each level has a matzah in it. Every matzah worldwide since the time of Israel leaving Egypt would be unleavened. This is a sign of he has washed us clean of our sin, but it's also a sign that we need to be ready to go. The very first Passover, which we call the Lord's Supper, the very first one was Israel, the Israelites in Egypt. And God said, make it this way because you need to be ready to go in a blink of an eye. You need to be ready to go. Can I say to you that this Resurrection Sunday, I believe God is shouting to the world, get ready. We're closer to the coming of the Lord. Everything that's happening with Israel, everything that's happening around the world, and now our own country, God is saying, get ready. But I declare to you, that our best is yet to come because we're not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout. Somebody say amen. So they would reach in of the three levels and they would pull out the middle level. Now, no one knows in Judaism why there are three matzahs. Some say it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but there's no teaching in why it says, can I give you my opinion? the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because nowhere, if it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, nowhere does it say say, Isaac's body was broken for us. But Jesus took out the middle one, and he broke it. And he says, this is my body, which was broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. Now, when we watch something like the Passion or what, what we saw today, we need to remember how broken Jesus was. But he didn't give this to us to remember what looked like a failure. As often as we take this, remember, yes, his body was broken. But three days later, exactly the way he said, he got up. And I think that's why they didn't recognize him these two men walking the road because the last time they saw Jesus, he was broken as no human being alive had ever been broken. He was beaten and rolled over and beaten again, not 39 times, but over and over and over and over and over and over. So nobody should have survived. That's the way they remembered him. But you and I are not to remember him as one who is broken. You and I are to remember that he was broken. He took the place of our brokenness so that we could have a life every way whole. Somebody shout amen.
Maybe there's been brokenness in your body or maybe there's been brokenness in your home or in your marriage or with your children like we saw in this wonderful drama today. Maybe there's some kind of brokenness. Understand this. Sin breaks us. But he paid the price so that what Satan meant for evil, God would turn that around and use it for good. When we take this, we need to remember that he has come to give us life and that life more abundant. God wants to bring the miracle of his resurrection and whatever in your life or your life has been broken, may it be whole right now by the miracle power of God. Amen. Do you have your wafer? I'll say the blessing. I'll say it for you in Hebrew, the way exactly the way Jesus would have said it. Because Jesus didn't speak English. Jesus didn't speak Greek. Jesus didn't speak Latin. Jesus spoke as a rabbi. The blessings of God in Hebrew. And may all of our lives, may all of your lives receive the power of his resurrection and make you every whit whole. Amen? Take together. When we receive communion, we always drink one cup. How many cups do you have? You have one? I'm going to ask you to, we're going to drink one cup, but I want to ask you to envision the meal with Jesus and the apostles and as Jews have done it, now Christians are doing it all the world. During the time of Passover, there's not one cup, but there's four. These four cups represent the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. He shed his blood in the garden to buy back our willpower. Father, not my will, but thine be done. When you take this, Maybe you have a son or a loved one, or maybe you have a problem. When I, when I came in the church, I was a drug addict. The world said I would never change, but the word says who the son sets free shall be free indeed. We're going to release the resurrection power on anyone who needs the willpower to be bought by the blood of Jesus. I was not only a drug addict, but I had a horrible, violent temper. A lot of people, they say, Pastor, you're exaggerating. I was not exaggerating. I brought that violence into my Christianity. I brought it into my, my marriage. I brought it into being a father. I brought it into being a pastor. Before I had this broke, I, I, I was in several fistfights in church. There are people sitting here right now. You love the Lord, but you need anger broken off of you. Your, your dad was angry. Your mom was angry. Your grandfather was angry. God's going to break that. He bought our willpower by his blood. This is the cup. The first cup that we're going to have is the cup of, of sanctification. You know what that means? It means that through the blood of Jesus, though our sins be as scarlet, God makes them white as snow. There is no condemnation. So many times we pray and we say, God, help us. God, heal us. God, do this. And the devil comes and whispers, you have no right. Look what you did. But what you need to do through the cup this morning is say, devil, don't look at what I did. Look at what he did. And I've been redeemed by the blood. I've been sanctified by the blood. Amen. 
The second cup is the cup of redemption. That means that through the blood of Jesus, he bought back every promise that we are the heirs to Abraham's promises. That every promise in the Bible is yours. Not yesterday, not someday, but today. Every promise. Say every promise. The cup of redemption. Then there's the cup of deliverance. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said it's finished. Why did Jesus get to the cross? Cursed is he who hangs on the tree. How many times have you heard, like father, like son, you're just like your father, you're just like your son. And we hope that's a good thing, but so many times that's a bad thing. And Jesus came not only to forgive us of our sin, to hook us back up with the blessing, but to break every family or generational curse. Every family or generational curse. From now on, we're going to not walk in generational curses, but generational blessings. How many think that's a good idea? And then the last cup is the cup that Jesus put down. And he said, I won't drink this again. I won't drink this again until we're at the wedding supper of the Lamb. But this is the cup of completion. This is the cup that completes it. Now, being a rabbi, Jesus had to drink four cups. He had to. But everything God does is a physical and a spiritual. So Jesus drank the first three cups, but then he doesn't drink the cup that completes it. And we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Father, if there be some other way, let this cup that completes it pass away. Let this cup go away. Because he knew that if he drank the cup of obedience, that it would complete it. They would beat him as no man had been beaten. They'd rip the beard from his face. They would nail him naked in front of his family. They would spit on him and mock him. He said, if there be some other way, let the cup that completes it pass over. But then he said, not my will that thy will be done. And they came and arrested Jesus. We know the journey to from, from Pilate to Caiaphas to Pilate up the Via de Rosa and hanging on a tree. And what did Jesus say? He said, I thirst. I thirst. And they reached up to give him uh, something to drink, uh, bitter wine on a sponge, but he turned away because he wasn't thirsting physically. He was thirsting spiritually. He was thirsting to take my sin and he was thirsting to take your sin and pay the price in full. And that's why he said, it is finished. But right before he said it, you know what the words he said? And they're Aramaic. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And I don't believe he said it in defeat. The words Aramaic, if you know the, the, the language of, of Aramaic, the words do say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you know, that never made much sense to me because Jesus, since the time he was 12, when his parents came to find him in the temple teaching the rabbis, and they said, what are you doing here? He said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Jesus always knew what he was about. He said, no man takes my life. I give it freely. He said in the garden just hours before, not my will, but thy will be done. He knew. And so it never made sense to me that he would say in Aramaic, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. But those same words in Arabic mean something different. In Middle East, a lot of words have two or three different meanings. And so when Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, I don't think the right translation is, I'm surprised that I'm taking the sins of the world on me. 
But when he took my sins and your sins, he said those words, and they also mean, if you translate it from Aramaic and English, I God, my God, this is why you have strengthened me. This is why I could face the Via Dolorosa. I could face the whipping. This is why, because right now, and shouted it not with a whimper, but for Satan to hear, and I believe it trembles in his ears to this moment. It is finished. And the veil between man and God from heaven to earth was ripped open where you and I have the right to come boldly before the throne of God. It is finished. What a mighty God we serve. What an awesome Savior we have. So if you'll take the fourth cup, and he says, as often you drink this, remember me. Remember the journey. Remember the price I paid. And remember, I'm asking you not to die for me. I'm asking you to live for me. Be a man or woman of love and compassion and mercy and grace because that's the God I am. When I walked into church 40-something years ago, seven, I always thought it was not a coincidence. Jesus shed his blood seven times, and I had seven federal warrants out for my arrest. Now, I've told that story before I understood the seven places Jesus shed his blood. In ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? Coincidence. I believe God is saying, Larry, don't you ever let the devil bring up your past. You know, we say this to be funny, but it's true. Every time Satan brings up your past, remind him of his future because we're almost there. Take the blood. The blood is the joy, the covenant, the promises of God. Father, we thank you that not only did Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, die for our sin, not only did he die on the cross to break every curse, but he walked the road of suffering that through his blood we can have life and that life more abundant. In Jesus' name, Lachaim. And as the apostle said, may the power of his resurrection be on every one of you. Remember, he is the reason for the season. Tell someone the good news. He not only died, but he got up. What an awesome God. Would you give the Lord a clap offering? Thank you for being with us this Easter. Thank you for being with us this Resurrection Sunday. All of our family around the world, we love you so much. Let me just make this announcement. Right now, we are on a journey called the Counting of the Omer from the resurrection to the day of Pentecost, 50 days. I'm going to talk on that next Sunday. The following Sunday, David Barton's going to be with us, the greatest scholar on American history and being a nation as one nation under God, and that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't miss David Barton. Don't miss the County of the Omar because, folks, I read the end of the book. We win, and our best is yet to come. Give the Lord a clap offering one more time. Oh, wait, wait. 
She got up. First time in two years. First time in two years. Mom wants to say something. I'm sorry. We have 45 seconds. 45 seconds. Okay. There's so much in that message that just moved my heart today. And I don't think it's any coincidence, praise God, that I got to come back on Resurrection Sunday. And because he got up, I got up. Amen. But I just want to say one thing. You know, the CDC, the uh, uh, health department had issued... Uh, a lot of churches not to be open up till now because of COVID. And so I heard this week that they said, all right, we'll let some churches open, but there's one rule. You can't sing and you can't worship. And I'm so glad today that we get to sing and we get to worship together. And I think we need to just give the Lord one more big old, big old, big old shout. Shout his name. Shout his name for all he's done and is doing. Amen. God bless y'all. I love you. Great to be with you. Let me just say this as you go. Maybe some of you don't know what this is all about. Three years ago, they gave my grandson uh, no chance to survive. A very rare form of leukemia. But he got up. They gave two years ago, they gave Tiz three months to live. She's totally cancer free. He got up. Go tell somebody the good news. Amen. We love you. God bless.